Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I mean, here's a guy that criticizes everybody, whoever they take. He's got the answers to uh, who you should take and who you shouldn't take. And all of a sudden, he's an expert. He's in our paper two days ago telling us who we have to take. We're back here on the Believe in NFL Draft Prospects podcast. It is Senior Bowl week here in Mobile, Alabama. I'm on location. Ryan is back in New Jersey, but we both watched the tape after day one, and we're going to be reacting to and sharing our takeaways, mostly two guys each that we fell in love with, guys that we thought that had really good performances. We're going to break those guys down and more on today's show. Before we get to that, though, folks, I just want to remind you about our presenting sponsor, Bet Online, betonline.ag. I know that there's less football to bet on, but you can still bet on the futures for the NFL draft. You can bet on the NBA or college basketball like I've been doing to um, pass the time and make the games a little bit more entertaining because, frankly, I can't watch those games unless I put a little money on them to make them more entertaining. Go to betonline.ag. Use our promo code BELIEVE50 to get that 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, Ryan, there's a lot to go over here with what happened on day one and day one really sets the stage for knowing who to pay attention to for the rest of the week. It also sets the stage for guys that need to improve and that we're going to be paying attention to that had some rough performances that they're going to need to work on. Uh, I want to kick things off here with your first guy that you watched when you watched the tape that stood out to you. Who's like the number one guy out of all of them that had a really, really good first day. I think naturally when we're talking offensive linemen at these events, offensive tackles are the first guys that we talk about because they're, you know, on an island against some of these athletic pass rushers, you know, the Isaiah Foskies of the world, Bull McDonald's. And, you know, there's one that we'll probably talk about during the show. But for me, I, I think that people undervalued him a little bit yesterday. I thought the best offensive lineman for either team that I watched was John Michael Schmitz from Minnesota. I thought he was he was phenomenal, man. I mean, to be, I mean, to be as easy analysis as I can. I mean, in the team drills, you saw him get out in space a little bit on the screens and kind of work into the perimeter, which was awesome to see. But those one-on-one pass rush reps, man, he was going against. Uh, I think Jalen Redmond was one that I highlighted on Twitter, the Oklahoma defensive lineman, where it was just like perfect base patience and just incredible anchor for John Michael Schmitz. And combining that anchor with the athleticism he has. I wouldn't be surprised if this kid's the first center off the board if he continues this momentum throughout the week. He, I think, had an incredibly strong first day. Really did. I, I thought that he was just from start to finish, pass rush one on ones, stuff in the run game, team drills, everything. I thought he was almost an immovable object in the middle for the, mm. for the uh, for the Americans. He was on the American team, right? Yeah, he he was yeah. on the the American squad. But I, yeah. I totally agree with all those thoughts you have there. Watching yep. him in person, he was one of those guys that I almost didn't even need to go back and watch the tape, but I, I obviously did to to get a, a second look and a better view because it's hard to get a, a really super, super up-close view where they set up and do the, the one-on-one offensive and defensive lineman drills. But I think you hit the nail on the head where he was so consistent. And we knew coming into this week that John Michael Schmitz from Minnesota was the epitome of consistency at center. He is a guy that doesn't get too high or too low, and his technique was just so freaking good. He was in his spots. He was moving really, really well, 
And he was somebody who uh, there were maybe one or two reps he got beat. I, I can't maybe. really think back to a rep in those one-on-ones where I was like, oh, uh, he, he finally got caught. The other the other offensive lineman that I think that we could potentially talk about today that had good days and strong days had some of those bad reps. And, and to me, John Michael Schmitz deserves more recognition. I feel like I don't see enough people talking about him because everyone is in awe over how tall Dewan Jones is. And instead, I think we should be talking about Michael Schmitz a little bit more. Yeah, and, and I, I think that for me, Joe, the one person that I kind of get some shades up for him is Frank Ragnow. And I remember when Ragnow was coming out of Arkansas, not a bunch of people highlighted him, right? Because like it's not a sexy thing. He's just kind of a super consistent center that is just kind of gets the job done with a good combination, but not elite combination of size and athleticism. Like It's just good all around. But I think that that's what the NFL is going to value. And again, I, I wouldn't be shocked if John Michael Schmitz ends up being a late first, early second round pick. Like I would not be shocked at all. I, I kind of had more of a, you know, late, late second round grade on him when we kind of went through the film again, kind of more, more of a final eval. But when you talk about just the consistency and the good baseline of, of traits across the board, I think that John Michael Schmitz has put himself into a clear contention to be the first center off the board. He could be a guy that's re- that's drafted somewhere in the top 50. Like there's no doubt. Yeah, and we were kind of debating heading into this, like, how does Ricky Stromberg not get invited? And I, I got to yep. be honest, seeing how he started the week, and I want to see how he finishes it, I'm going to reconsider where I have him ranked. I think that he has shown a lot of really good stuff going up against some of the top talent, and he has, again, really been one of the more underrated players that isn't getting a lot of love. I also think during the practices, Carl Brooks from Bowling Green, defensive tackle, didn't get a ton of recognition. He didn't yeah. get a lot of people talking about him. You didn't see his name brought up a ton on Twitter. And then I started watching the practices and I fell in love with a lot of the things that he was doing. I know Corey Kinnon, who's a, a friend of the pod, a friend of yours, Ryan, posted mm-hmm. a lot of clips of him, which made it really extra easy to go back and relook at some of those things that he did. But you saw in the one-on-ones, the thing that flashed for me with Carl Brooks was the hand speed was how quick and aggressive his hands were, how explosive he was off the football. And I got to be honest, I haven't even watched Carl Brooks. I haven't even yeah. watched his his game evaluation for the uh, for the, the 2022 season and done a final evaluation. He is somebody that I am going to have close eyes on. And I think as soon as the week ends and I transition and turn the page back to finishing my final reports, he's somebody that I'm going to watch immediately because he has already opened my eyes seriously. Well, and he came into the week and he weighed in at six foot three and three eighths, three hundred and three pounds, seventy-seven and three quarter inch wingspan. So the wingspan isn't incredible, but obviously he put on a ton of weight, man. I looked back at his background. He's a funky player in college because Bowling Green played a four-man front and he was playing on the def- at edge a ton for them at like 285, he's 290 pounds. Right. <laughs> he's not an edge. Yeah. And so it was kind of a funky evaluation because you're like okay, he's a good athlete, obviously, and he gained like 80 pounds during his Bowling Green career. He's an unranked recruit, by the way, and no stars to his name. And he's gained a ton of weight, obviously, during the course of his career. But you saw the – I mean, the Bowling Green numbers, he had like 10 sacks this year, right? Like he was highly – he was a, a All-American by at least one publication. Like he had a really nice year for Bowling Green. But again, you're like, okay, a 6'3 and some odd inch – you know, player that is 290 pounds, he's not going to play edge on the next level. So it's a little bit of a funk eval. He goes into the senior bowl on the first day. And I think that you obviously see immediately 
when you put that type of athlete, as long as he is strong enough to play at the point of attack, which I think is still developing, but the things that got you excited is that he's a really good athlete for an interior defensive lineman, right? He goes from a modest athlete as an edge player on the level that he played at, you know, but obviously a very good athlete for the Mac, right? But then he comes to the senior bowl and you're like, okay, but taking the athletic skill set inside, that's a mismatch, right? And you see that he's got more flexibility. He's got more explosiveness inside working to get some interior offensive linemen. And I think that all those things together gives you a really interesting evaluation. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't think he's going to get off the board until day three sometime, but he is a player that I think the athletic traits and the development that he could have at the next level, this could could be a really nice interior pass rusher down the line and may, and probably has starter traits if he hits, hits in the right situation. Yeah, and again, I got to admit, I did not know a lot about Carl Brooks coming into the week. He was somebody who I'm yeah. like, who's the bowling green? There's a bowling green kid here. Who is this guy? And, and you dig into him a little bit more and you kind of see that potential, that upside that he brings to the table is is fantastic. The other defensive tackle, and I don't know if this was your second guy or not, Ryan, a Keanu yeah. Benton from Wisconsin was all over the place. He was yes. so twitchy, so powerful. And we we knew that he was banged up during the season. He didn't look as good as he possibly could have been uh, in his time in Wisconsin this year. But now I think we can say that he's healthy. And if he's not 100%, if he's not fully healthy, I would be very, very frightened on what he could possibly do this season once he's back to full full strength. Yeah, I mean, 6'3 and a half, 312 pounds, 33 and three-quarter inch arms, has over an 81-inch wingspan. So this is a long athletic kid. And it was a weird conversation and one that we've had over the last couple months because I loved Keanu Benton's 2021 film. I thought it was dominant. You know, 2020 film was not as good. And but then we hear things behind the scenes that like probably shouldn't have been playing, right? Like he's playing through some stuff that ordinarily you probably just kind of take a step back, step back and say like, Hey, I'm just going to let myself get healthy and do all that type of type of rehab stuff. Right. But then you see him go to mobile healthy, And you see the power profile that I think everybody was aware of. But I think the thing that really popped off the screen to me was this kid's more flexible and explosive than I think he's given credit for because he played nose at Wisconsin. I think Mm -hmm. Keanu Benton has legitimate opportunity to play some three at the next level or play some two I, four I. Like I think he can line up all over the place for a defensive line on the next level. And he look, he was probably graded more as a second, third round pick coming into the week because of the inconsistent 2022 film. But I think that this kid is a slam dunk top 50 player when it's all said and done, because you're seeing the athletic traits here. I think he's going to go to the combine, the pro day and blow that thing up from with his explosive numbers. So Keanu Benton was unblockable on day one. And I think that he's going to continue to gather that momentum because I do think he's one of the best interior defense linemen in this class. No doubt. And heck, I'm going to say this, if he replicates what he did on day one and finishes out the week strong, I mean, this could be a, a Javon Kinlaw type of a rise. Like there's there's a lot of defensive tackles who we've seen in the past who have shown up and had a really, really good week and were considered to yep. be top 50 players or considered to be a second, third round pick. And then they dominate these one-on-ones. They dominate the team drills and they ride that energy enough to, for them to get drafted in the first round. I know that it's an uphill battle with all of the other defensive tackle talent in the class, but I would not be surprised if a team does not fall in love with a Keanu Benton. Now, a guy that yep. I was high on, or not high on, but you were higher on him than me coming into this week, but somebody who I yep. acknowledged his capabilities. 
I think I graded him as a third rounder, and I definitely believe I'm going to bump him, not a crazy amount, but bump him up a little bit in his current draft grade based on how he's performed so far. I, I tweeted a clip of Christopher Smith, the Georgia defensive back, who was a bit overshadowed by all of the talent that they had on that, that defense at Georgia. And to see him cover tight ends step for step, to disrupt and make plays on the football, to get his arms out, there was one play where he actually got beat a little bit, but his recovery was so good. I think it was against Will Mallory on one of the one-on-ones. His recovery was so good that he was able to get his arms up and he was able to, to, to bat the ball down and make a play on the football. Those skills, all of those things are so critical for a safety at the next level. And for him to not be a, a, a massive safety to handle his own going up against these tight ends is extremely promising. And he has good length, despite only being 5'10 in two ways. So 5'10 and a quarter, 188 pounds. He has 31 and 5'8 inch arms, so almost 32 inch arms, 75 inch wingspan. So pretty good length considering he's a smaller safety. And at Georgia, I mean, Joe, we talked about this, right? 2021 film, wasn't in love with it. I wasn't. I was like, eh, he's a good player. Nothing special to me. I thought 2022, he had a massive season. And I think that those uh, that ability to play maybe a little bit more man coverage than what he was asked to do at Georgia is a very interesting proposition because I love him working from depth. I love him playing kind of a true free safety role. I think he has good instincts, pretty good range on the back end. But if he's able now to also play some man-to-man against even some bigger body types, then that's a versatile piece on the back end. So Christopher Smith might not be a star on the NFL level, but I think he's going to be a good free safety, man. Like, that's what I see. And I think that you saw all that mo- all the movement skills you needed to see from him, ability to play a little bit more man. He's a, he, I think he's a coverage versatile piece mm. on the back end at safety. Yeah, I was really honed in on seeing what he did against these tight ends. And I got to admit, I want to pay more attention to see what he does against some of the receivers because – He's quick enough to keep with a lot of tight ends. And the impressive part was using his body effectively to still make plays on the ball despite having that size disadvantage. But how yeah. does he work with his speed going up against these receivers is something that I'm gonna I'm, I'm definitely gonna check in on. Uh yep. we wrote down Dewan Jones, Ryan. Yes. And I, I gotta say, I and I tweeted this yesterday. A lot of people are talking about how Dewan Jones had a really good start to the week, and I, I think this is it's it's a bias. I think everyone saw that he was the longest player ever to measure in at the <laughs> Senior Bowl, and everyone's yeah. like, "Look how freaking big this kid is!" And all he had to do was be a little bit above average, and now everyone thinks that he is one of the top performers already this week because of the early momentum he had just from measuring in and weighing in. I think mm-hmm. we get blinded, and I'm one of these people that this happens with, by the size, and I think we need to – I don't know. What what do you think here? Because, like, I didn't think he was that impressive. He had a couple good reps, but I don't think that he's he's done, like, a whole lot that makes him this alleged first-round pick that some people uh, claim that he is. I, I have a lot of thoughts on Dewan Jones. I'll say this, Joe. I think he was better yesterday than I thought he was going to be, to be completely honest. Like, I, I, I thought that, that – I thought he was going to struggle a little bit in space. And I mean, he came into the week, like you said, six, eight, six foot eight and an eighth inch, 375 pounds, 11 and three eighth inch hands, 36 and five eighth inch arms and an 89 and a half inch wingspan, which of course you already mentioned 
was the longest wingspan in senior bowl history. So this guy is a unicorn in terms of the size profile. Like, you know, just this is a Mackay Becton type, right? Like, there's not many of these dudes that are walking around historically, not just now, historically. And I thought that he did handle the power rushers on the day. Like, he had a nice rep against Isaiah Foskey and the one-on-one pass rush reps. I, I No one really beat him or challenged him, right? And mm-hmm. it, when, he, when you did, like, the run stuff, I, I mean, he displaced – Andre Carter out of bounds on the one because he should. Well, he definitely should. There's no doubt. Was he better than I thought he was going to be? Yes. Was he great? I don't think he was great. I think he was good. He had a good first day in my opinion, but I have worries about DeJuan Jones and it has very little to do with the talent that he has. It does. And I've already talked about this a little bit. I question a little bit of the drive to be a great football player a little bit, just based on some things that I had, you know, heard behind the scenes and talked with behind the scenes. Right. But also he was talked about before the season of getting down to 350 pounds. And then he shows up to the combine at 375 pounds. I'm just like, so I have some concerns about him. Plus the fact that he can't manage his weight properly. Like those things worry me. They worry me tremendously. I think he's a good player. I think he's a good talent, right? He's a massive kid who I think has pretty good foot quickness. But the one thing that I will say about how these roster lined up is that on the national side of things, there is not a ton of these twitchy pass rushers that have great length. I mean, that have great bends and explosiveness. I would have loved to see him against a guy like a Will McDonald, for instance, out of Iowa State. A guy that can force him into more space and ask him to bend more at the hips and to counteract that type of bend. Isaiah Foskey is a very good football player. We've talked about him a ton. But that's the type of rusher that DeJuan Jones is going to do well against. Isaiah Foskey is a power-based rusher. That Mm -hmm. guy, I have no problem with DeJuan Jones. I have no worry about it. Against the bendier edge rushers, the true outside track kids, I still have questions about if he's going to be able to counteract that. We didn't see that day one, him be able to go against that type. So I think he had a good day. I have my concerns, though. I do. And it and it honestly has little to do with the talent because I think the talent's good. Yeah, I'm trying to be a little bit more level-headed because, again, I you see a big hulking guy like that move decently well, and it's easy to fall in love, but there's other concerns. And, heck, you brought it up before. The kid came on this podcast and said that he's not that in love with football. That's a red flag. That should be a red flag, plain and simple. Uh, One more positive, though. One quick guy that I want to bring up, Ryan, before we ramp up. It's hard to really establish yourself as a running back because of, like, the first day, it's it's all thud. There's no, no one's getting brought to the ground. There's a lot of guys pulling up that don't finish to the ground. So you don't really know how effective some plays are going to be based on how they're finishing. But I think Roshan Johnson, the running back from Texas, manned the F up in the one-on-one blocking drills that he had against the linebackers. Nobody was getting around him. Nobody. He was locking dudes down. That got me excited. He had a bunch of long runs. Uh, And again, I know it's just a thud, but I thought he showed Mm -hmm. some really good vision. It's really easy for a guy like Roshan Johnson to get over overlooked because of a guy like B. John Robinson who's ahead of him. So I I think he deserves some recognition. I know that I know that there were a few other running backs that had some uh, some some good week uh, good days. Tajay Spears from Tulane was another one, but I think Roshan deserves some credit for what he did. Roshan is is that player that's just going to stick on a roster for a long time because of the things that you just said. He's a really good pass blocker. 
He can play special teams. He's got a big frame to do that type of work. He's going to be that third down player that is just consistent. And I also think, I mean, there's a lot of teams that Roshan Johnson would have been the number one running back on the college football team, right? It's yeah. just the fact that you're playing behind one of the best running backs to come out of college football in Ever. several years, you know, since Saquon at least, right? Like, I mean, that's how good Bijan Robinson is. So I think Roshan has a clear path to making a roster for several years. I think he has a clear, I mean, I'm going to say it like this, right? He didn't get an opportunity to be this guy because of the situation, but is he a worse football player than Brian Robinson Jr. who got drafted in the third round last year? I don't think so. I, I think they're pretty comparable. So. Yeah, I mean, ta- I mean, athletically, I think they're super yeah. comparable, right? So I, I, I think that he had a really good first day. He was honestly the only running back that actually looked like he could pass block. I mean, everybody else was kind of rough, man. Like, it was like, oh, that wasn't great. Like, I expected Evan Hole from Northwestern to be better pass blocker, but he was Bad day one. He yeah. Was really bad. I mean, he was good on film, though, at it, and he just was not great in the first one, uh, the first day. Joe, can I throw one more name out there? I know. Yes, we, we and then we're wrapping up here. What do you got? Day and Henley from, from yes. Washington State, transfer from Nada. He was fantastic, man. Looked good in coverage, looked good as a blitzer. Tony, man, my guy can play. He can play. I was pleasantly surprised, and I was I was strangely low on him. Actually, no, we were on the same page as him, but I was a little bit more negative on his outlook. But again, Diane Henley, for me, Ryan, we just talked about how Roshan Johnson's a stick on the roster, special teams, high character kid. I think Diane Henley's that same type of guy at the adjacent position at linebacker. Uh, he's going to be a, a special teams ace and then somebody who extra linebacker, maybe he works his way into a starting role and if he can work on some of those deficiencies that we talked about when we did our breakdown episode of him but yeah diane henley you the one thing i noticed and i remember you pointed it out to me when we broke him down he's got stupid length and the first thing that i noticed is like this kid is built like an nfl linebacker he is big strong kid really freaking long arms it's like he is as a long snapper when you see that guy lined up on special teams it's like oh shit i hope this guy is not blocking me and picking me up because he is going to send me into the stands Oh, man. No, I, I really like Henley, man. Like you said, 33-inch arms. He was a hair under six foot one, but 230 pounds, and he is a really powerful lower half. I like Henley a lot. I think he, I think he's going to be a starting Mike eventually at the next level and wow. at least a core special teamer at very least. Yeah, for sure. All right, that's going to be it from us, folks. We're going to have more guys to talk about this week. We've got two more breakdowns from the remaining days that are going to be coming up, so make sure you are subscribed do not miss out on any of it. Plus, on top of that, uh, we'll probably do a full Senior Bowl breakdown after we've digested all of the tape, the game, and whatnot. Again, subscribe so you don't miss out. At Joe DeLeon, at Rise and Draft, at Believe Network. We'll be back with more. Enjoy the rest of your week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.